everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I am, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Okay, this is going to be a difficult podcast to record. Um, going to talk about something that has been permeating... Um, through society in general, um, and it really revolves around the rise in recent years uh, that had not necessarily laid dormant but was subsided, um, the rise of anti-Semitism, um, particularly from, you know, various corners of, of the political universe that has infected conspiratorial-minded, um, quote-unquote, free thinkers. And, um, and it all stems around how we have created bubbles, particularly NBA players who've created bubbles. And I'm going to give you a little bit of prehistory. And in the second half, I'm going to talk about how that has infected the way the NBA does business. Um, but I'm going to kind of give you an example of my own history with, um, covering the league since 2009 and how things have changed and how players regarded certain aspects of media. You could make a, I would say, convincing argument that um, the advent of blogs in uh, the mid-2000s was was a good thing for media. Um, It gave more, uh, more, uh, it, it, it gave more people more response, more, opportunity and through that opportunity you have a greater diversity of media opportunity uh i think of a person who is exactly my age zach Lowe. okay zach Lowe and i are literally the same age born the same year took slightly different paths up to where we are right now and and you know quite frankly um zach it's far better than i will ever be at this sort of thing but um, Zach Lowe um, started blogging late in life, like me. Um, I was 32 when I started, uh, 31 or 32, I don't remember, uh, when I started in at Denver Stiffs. Um, that is really late for a blogger. Most bloggers start, had at least particularly in 2009 slash 10, they started a lot earlier than that. You were a college student, generally a college student that was writing in their free time at that point. Getting paid and all this stuff was not necessarily something that was going to be happening for you um, when you were a blogger. But Zach Lowe started out basically in a place called Celtics Hub, which was uh, a it wasn't like Celtics blog, which was the SB Nation site. Um, that is where Kevin O'Connor got his start. Um, but it was a different kind of a more aggregate kind of place. Um, and then he parlayed that into going to Sports Illustrated and doing what amounted to basically the same thing at SI. And then Bill Simmons had known him from being at Boston uh, at uh, Celtics Hub and uh, brought him on to Grantland. 
at ESPN. And that's where really, and that was about 2012, I think. Um, Zach, if you're listening to this, you'll correct me. Um, about 2012, Zach goes to ESPN and really begins what 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 is um, stereotypically known as a legitimate quote unquote blogger career. Um, I took a different path, um, same age, but I stayed at Denver State because I had no interest in going up. Um, my interests were with the Denver Nuggets, and I never intended on being a writer. All that to say, um, the proliferation of blogging in the late to late aughts to the early 2010s is what set the in motion a a perceptive quandary with NBA players who are more attuned to social media than your average um, athlete, more than NFL players, more than MLB players. Um, NBA players are more concerned with their brand. Uh, brand. Um, it is very much a different kettle of fish with uh, NBA players. It's not. It, it is not even saying you can't even. It's. It's. It is a concept that I. I, 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 I'm trying to kind of relay in a sense that there is a, a greater social media awareness with NBA players. NBA players are aware of, ex- hyper, I would say hyper aware of social media and their presence on it. And it really, I mean, Shaquille O'Neal had a, uh, a Twitter account back in 2008 when he was with the Phoenix Suns, if I remember correctly. Um, it, it, it is, it is something that NBA players got on early often and perfected, but here's the problem. The proliferation of social media, um, lent itself, particularly as people grew up, lent itself into a misperception of what the function of media is and who is media in general. And I've talked about this a lot on this podcast, and and I I will focus in on someone who is very online, quote-unquote, in Kevin Durant, a misperception of who is media and who is not media. And a lot of players, um, and I think this was worse about two, three years ago, uh, maybe even four years ago, but there was this misperception that um, whatever is Twitter is media. Um, and you would hear players checking their Twitter accounts. When you go in the locker room, they would, before they would be on their phones looking at the Twitter accounts, checking on things that maybe necessarily they didn't need to be looking at. Um, I can tell you firsthand, I saw it a lot. Um, there was one player who never checked social media while he was at the game, and that was Wilson Chandler. And God bless Wilson Chandler for not doing that sort of thing. But the hyper-awareness of social media and conflating that with quote-unquote media led to this us-against-them thing to an extent that we had not seen. Certainly I did not see when I first was allowed in uh, the Nuggets locker room clear the way back in 2012. Uh, It wasn't wasn't nearly that. Um, I had interacted with players and was a media member for three years prior to me even being allowed to be credentialed for a Nuggets uh, Nuggets game. So my uh, presence there was 
almost old media. It was almost newspaper-like because you know, I was there to serve a function. I was there to do a job. Players became, as as the years went by, and once again, Kevin Durant is 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 object lesson number one with this. And you would say that uh, say that the uh, Kyrie Irving and um, Draymond Green, or maybe <laughs> the second part of that. Um, how seeing things and being hyper-focused and being very online and being very on Twitter um, alters your view of things. Because one of the things you can do with Twitter is create your own curated um, uh, bubble, for lack of a better word. Um, you can insulate, with even with the exposure to all this other stuff, you can insulate yourself from seeing things you don't want to see. Um, and that can be good and bad. It could be good because if you don't want to see Alex Jones bullshit like me, if you don't want to see conspiratorial bat shittery, you can shield yourself from that. But there's also the downside of of if you are conspiratorial minded, you can shield you can shield yourself from normal stuff. And this thing has gotten worse and worse and worse, and it is borne out, as you saw in Jacksonville this weekend, with um, the anti-Semitic messages um, in support of Kanye West uh, and the awful things he said about uh, about Jews. Um, it played out. It played out in horrific fashion this weekend, and. It has played out in other areas of this life in much worse ways, uh, particularly in Pittsburgh several years ago. Um, how these these things are weighed out in in public because people who are prone to thinking conspiratorially can just insulate themselves. A lot of that, and some of that's Fox News, but some of that is just is a is a is a insulation of I only want to read what I want to read and we're all guilty of it but for those who are success, yeah, excuse me, susceptible to thinking conspiratorially you can surround yourself with conspiratorial thinking Kyrie Irving has um, set himself apart from most NBA players and what people don't understand about Kyrie Irving is that he has enormous respect in the league. The reason you don't see players calling Kyrie Irving out is because Kyrie Irving has a respect in the league that most players don't have. Kyrie Irving is respected in a way that I don't I don't necessarily understand myself because I'm not an NBA player but he has enormous esteem and that esteem filters out to other players and it insulates Kyrie from the consequences largely the consequences of his bat shittery and make no mistake it's bat shittery um cloaked in quote-unquote, free thinking. Um, that's not free thinking. It is someone who has insulated themselves from the consequences of the shit that they say. And that was played out in 
in gory detail uh, at a recent press conference when Nick Friedel from uh, ESPN confronted Kyrie about the things he was tweeting about um, and the the stuff that he was promoting on Twitter. And it's illuminating to see Kyrie Irving respond to these questions from Nick Friedel. And I'll get more into that after the break. But more than that, NBA players have done a great job of making sure that they're insulated from certain things. Um, You don't need to see all criticism of you, but you need to be opening to answering questions. And what has happened of late is that players have become more and more um, hostile to uh, even benign um, criticism. And a lot of that has to do with social media. Because the players see, you would say they would see everything, but they don't. Once you're able to curate your own point of view, you don't see anything but people affirming how great you are. And look, I'm not absolving myself from that. I have, I have curated my own Twitter presence. I am not a person who uh, goes very deeply into conspiratorial stuff. Well, at all, I should say. Uh, so my world is not Kyrie Irving's world. But this free thinker has got himself into trouble with the, quite frankly, crazy stuff that he believes. And it is now to the point where it's starting to be dangerous. And on the other side of the break, I'm going to talk to you about how this is playing out and how the NBA can maybe begin to start changing this. But first, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th of Blake and Muzzy, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwdenver.com. Go to uh, the dairy block, and, you know, you don't need a reservation. You can just walk in and just have a good time. They open at 1 o'clock. Um, and you'll have a, have a great time. Just have some of their Syrahs, some of their, uh, blends. They have Malbecs. They got, uh, uh, a 2018 Cabernet. Now that is not on tap. You can get it in bottles. Um, all of their Cabernet varietals are very good. And of course they got Pinot. And the thing about, this is grapes from Sonoma County. So obviously Pinot is the specialty of California. Um, I was talking to someone about, um, Pinot Noir and I said, it hits your nose differently than almost anything, uh, any other wine. It, it, it has a, a knock you back kind of aroma in a good way, you know, because you stick your nose, you know, if you're like me, you stick your nose in a glass and you like, you get that, you get that smell first, it really hits you back. And every, and one of the best signs of a good Pinot is ones that will just kind of, just kind of make you stunned a little. And, uh, Blanchard has the best, some of the best, um, of that I've ever experienced in my life, but they've also got whites. They've also got partnerships with Western Slope Gallery and wineries, anything you want. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th at Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwdenver.com. When you go in or you talk to them, or if you go to Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you.
how can the NBA players fix this? Because and, 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 and to a large extent, I think Kyrie Irving and the way the NBA players approach media is due to the way the NBA players approach media. Um, when I first began this adventure of being an unpaid media member, I uh, we were given a lot more access to players than we, we are now. Um, we got to be on the court during while the players were at shoot around. Um, players weren't presented to us. Um, and as the years progressed, our access to players got less and less and less and less. And that reduction, I think, has kind of contributed to the kind of uh, bubble aspect that I've been talking about. NBA players are not uh, subject to the anywhere near the levels of criticism Michael Jordan was in the 90s. The tough questions aren't necessarily going to be as accessible. There are people who ask tough... I mean, Nick Friedle, to his credit, was relentless in talking to Kyrie about... Um, his bat shittery and the anti-Semitic stuff that he was promoting. Which, by the way, just on a personal note, um, I've been dealing with the homophobia and the uh, that I've experienced in rel- in in some ways within the NBA. Um, Jewish people don't deserve this bullshit. Um, no one deserves this bullshit. But people who went through uh, the Holocaust and uh, had to experience the horrors of of someone trying to exterminate them, um, why? What? Who know? Who? Why would this even cross your mind? Why would this? Why would this stuff even be presented to you? And I think I think we are at a very very dangerous point here in our society. And if it gets to, and if it, I mean, look, we've seen this shit before in history. Um, it would be great if we could nip this in the bud before this becomes a serious, serious problem. And Kyrie Irving promoting batshittery, crazy bullshit on, on his Twitter account doesn't help. And his lack of accountability for it is um, disgusting. And he should be disgusted. And kudos to Nick Friedel for going and talking to Kyrie. And I, 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 when I post this on Twitter, I'll post this on the CSG at 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 CSG underscore network. Uh, I will post this on there, and uh, we will you'll get to see this uh, this quiet line of questioning from Nick Friedel. It was really really good. How can we change this though? And I will, and I will say this. I mean, like, there's not much you can do. The genie's out of the bottle with the social media stuff. But I think, just in my own view, you can change this trajectory by allowing us as media members to have more access and therefore hold players more accountable. And I think that that will be go a long way to letting us know. That players aren't just going to be able to post 
anti-Semitic stuff or homophobic stuff, like in the case of Anthony, Anthony Edwards. It will let them know that they'll have a check on them. And that check is the media. Media's lack of access and our and, and the reduction of access. Now I'm a different case here. I I my presence as a media member isn't the same as it was five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago. Um, but for others who are there every day, having the ability to question and the ability to present. Uh, to the people who have been making comments like this, or in the case of Aaron Gordon, kudos to Mike Singer for bringing it up um, when he tweeted about the unfairness of Anthony Edwards' um, fine. Um, maybe it's we are to the point now where we need more of this. We need that check. Um accountability is a way to keep people honest accountability is a way to break people from their bubbles and sometimes it it takes and maybe some aggressive questioning from a reporter for a player to maybe think about things that they don't normally because it, in it inherently in itself being an nba player is a bubble no one can experience what an NBA player experiences with the money, with what you do, um, with your inability to be quote unquote normal because you are famous. Um, it is a level of, of, uh, insulation that I will never experience in my life. So, you know, so frankly speaking, um, so I understand that, but when you do the bat shittery, you need to be able to be called on that and questioned on that. And the example of Nick Friedel and Mike Singer, too, um, talking to Aaron Gordon and getting an answer is what we need more of. And we need more access to players. We need more of all that to help the public know that maybe what people are saying is not something that they are very, very informed on. Um which we can all assume anyway. Um, I, 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 think, I think we are at a point in our society where we understand the corrosive effects of bubble creating in social media. Uh, it is a more connected world and it's a less open world. We are all connected to each other, but we are less open to criticism. We're less open to uh, the ability to be corrected. And social media creates that because we can curate our own, what we can see. We can only, we, we, we are able to curate our own visions of life through social media. And for people who are terminally online, as apparently Kyrie Irving is, uh, it's destructive. It's damaging. It's it's something that is uh, um, just corrosive to uh, being a good teammate. It's corrosive to. But once again, once again with Kyrie, he has respect in the league. And I would like, if I was in a situation like that, I would like to ask, why does Kyrie Irving have 
so much respect in this league? I would really like to ask that. Because I may get a greater understanding of the dynamics and the inner working of the players in this league. I don't have that ability, but that's just me. Others do. People like Mike Singer. Um, And kudos to those guys who have greater access. And hopefully, hopefully we can see a way forward to getting to a better place to where we are now um, looking at more equity in the way we approach our coverage with the teams. Once again, you can't do anything about social media. The, the genie's out of the bottle, folks. It just, it's just nothing. You're just not going to be able to fix what ails social media because it was set on the wrong path in the Facebook days, and it has continued down that path in Twitter and TikTok. Um, the only thing you can do is allow the media the ability to correct and hold accountable. And I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that we reach that point. Okay, folks, thank you all for joining me on my uh, soapboxy episode of CSG. I'm going to be back. I'm going to try to do um, Thursday is the Gen X show. I'm going to try to do um, Monday and Wednesday for CSG. Um, And I may go up to three a week, but as of this point, I'm going to be doing two. So you'll be looking for this next episode on Wednesday. Thank you all for joining me on the latest CSG. I'll be talking to you later. Goodbye.